Hi, I'm Jeff, lead pastor of Northview Community Church in Abbotsford, British Columbia. And this podcast is where I get a chance to interview people about things that I'm interested in and talk about whatever I want to talk about. Hello, I'm Levi, the producer. Uh, If you listened to last week's episode, you might recall that I had said we'd be putting out an episode that dealt more directly with Jeff announcing his departure from Northview this summer. Uh, And that's exactly what this week's episode is about. Adam Warmald is our communications director, and he initially got involved at Northview through the Young Adults Ministry while Jeff was the Young Adults Pastor. And so their time at Northview has overlapped significantly and in uh, pretty meaningful ways. And so we hope as you hear this story, hear them talking about each of their experiences at the church over the past number of years, that it both resonates with you and with your experience, as well as encourages you for what is to come, both for for Jeff and his family and for Northview. So uh, here is Adam Warmald having a conversation with Jeff. Jeff, you're out of quarantine, but uh, that's not the biggest news. This has been a pretty uh, wild couple of weeks for you, and you had to do it all in quarantine. Uh, yeah, it's the best way to do it. Yeah, you don't have to face no, anyone you, in person. No, totally. You just say something and you stay home. Yeah. It's the best way to make any decision. Yeah. Make the decision and then let the fallout take everyone else where it may Yeah. while you stay home and play video games. Yeah. Well, we got some time here. We'll we'll have we'll talk about a, a bunch of different stuff, I'm sure. But how's the last two weeks been? How's it? Like, you made a, a massive announcement about how your life is changing. Yes, and that's going to impact everyone here that's listening to this in some way. Um, how have you felt since you made that announcement? Well, you know, I've known I've known about it obviously longer mm-hmm. than than the announcement, um, but. Uh, have I felt since it? Good. I honestly, uh, I fought against the idea while it was happening. <laughs> so I had come to the conclusion that this is what I, I just genuinely felt like this is the next thing that my, me, my family should be doing for the sake of the kingdom. And if you ask me how, it would be a mixture of desire and providence opening doors and all that kind of stuff just came to the conclusion like, you know what? It's probably the best time for the church. It's probably the best time for me. I'm 48 years old, right? I think I've got one more uh, turnaround church in me, and um, I pray that the harvest will be that one. Hmm. But since making that announcement, what have what have you been surprised by by people's responses? What have you appreciated? What's God been? Oh goodness, the great the graciousness and kindness that people have shown is remarkable. Can I give people a piece of advice? You should. You should be open about your feelings of, of gratefulness to people in your life who you're grateful for uh, more frequently because it is deeply encouraging to them. And it, I don't know if it's always going to change their opinion about what they should or shouldn't do. It certainly would have been the case with me. But I, I think sometimes we have this habit of not telling people our, our genuine joys and how they have influenced things because we, either we think, well, they probably already know it or 
we sort of assume it and then we save it all up for their, you know, for their funeral. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we talk about them about, hey, this person really had an impact on these things. And I just think that it is a godly character trait to be uh, kind and appreciative of the people who've had a significant impact in your life. And it's even people um, speaking to me that way have made me be more uh, overt in my, in my comments toward my wife or other people like Mm -hmm. saying, and my boys and my daughter saying, I I just really appreciate you. I want you to know that. And I think sometimes we just get in the habit of not saying anything. Yeah. That's one of the things I've been uh, hopeful for before we made this announcement, but, but, very encouraged by is that the level of online comments have been just uh, so positive and so yeah, affirming. it's been lovely. Absolutely, I've read all of them. They've been collected for me, and I've gotten cards and all sorts of stuff like that. I love it. It's just delightful, right? How many times in your life do you have people who you know all kind of all at once say thank you and you did a good job? And I'm sure there are those out there who don't think I did a good job, and uh, that's fine. They can get lost. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Can I just say, I haven't said this uh, publicly, Um, one of the things that I have been praying for for years was that uh, when I left Northview, that it would be a a good occasion instead of being an acrimonious one. Mm -hmm. I struggle with the number of pastors in the Lower Mainland in particular, and generally, generally everywhere, but especially locally, that the only reason the pastor leaves the church, it's not mission-based. It's not like vision-based. It's based upon the elders got mad at him or uh, he had a moral failure or uh, he was a jerk. And you know what I mean? It, it just, they, everything blew up. Mm-hmm. And he, two staff members had a big fight and mm-hmm. one of them had to leave. And I, I just didn't ever want that to happen. It's something I, I had noticed repeatedly uh, in the past of lots and lots of different churches, even even Northview in the past, there have been some challenges along those lines, and I just didn't want, didn't want that to be the case. And so my goal, all of this actually, has always been, Lord, would you, would you help us as a church to model what we think it looks like for pastors to leave well hmm. and still be well-liked and still be, you know, and not everybody, of course, is going to like you. There are those out there like, finally. This is going to be great. You know, Northview's going to have a new page and a new pastor, and it'll look different than what it did. And that's fine. Um, but I just I just think there need to be more churches and more that, that where the pastor leaves and there's graciousness and kindness and uh, more, more based on vision and, you know, that kind of stuff mm-hmm. than, than this. And so I've been really thankful that, that the Lord has answered that prayer in this time. So I thank you very much for everybody. I think so when I talk about, we talk about the people, the people writing stuff and being kind and all that kind of stuff. That really is where it fits in for me mm-hmm. is like, oh, cool. Thank you, Lord, for not, not having this be acrimonious and like, mm-hmm. hey, don't let the door hit you on the way out kind mm-hmm. of approach. Yeah. Well, it's one of the things I've been really pondering about just in the lead up to this talk and, and just reflecting on my own life and my own journey and how God brought me here. And I, I was just reflecting on, from when I can remember coming to BC as a six-year-old and the first church I went to and a couple of years later it blows up because of the leadership and then going to another one. It's just, as I was reflecting on that, it's been, this is the, this is the first time in my 30-some years of being at several churches 
that this level of church leadership leadership transition has happened that hasn't been mean spirited, mean spirited, yeah, or hasn't ripped the entire church apart. No, to the point that, where you know. the church doesn't even exist. And so, part of this talk of of my story and your story is is sort of just reflecting on that because I've. I, I still consider myself, even though I'm on staff, I still consider myself just a regular congregant. and I, I was, As opposed to a super congregant? As no. As opposed to like a special Well, a one? staff member or a pastor. I'm certainly not a pastor, but be, just being on staff is like, okay, it's your job to talk favorably or to paint a rosy picture of the church or to sell the church to people. Um, but I almost kind of, I, I kind of imagine myself more like a spy, like I'm... I get to come to the inside and actually see inside. And, and is it really true? Like, how do they talk to one another? Do yeah. Does Jeff and Ezra, do they really... Not, uh, not like each other. Not, yeah, 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 right. Um, the answer is no, we do like each other a lot. Right, and so we'll, we'll get to that. Even, even what you were just saying about wanting to leave if it ever happened, leaving North U a certain way. Um, I wanted to bring that up because actually, so around 2008 is when I came to North U. Yes, yeah, so I, be- I became the lead, lead pastor in, uh, well, formally in July, in July 1st, 2008, but I, unfortunately, we didn't have a, a lead pastor. We had an interim, right? Mm-hmm. So I got thrust into the work of lead pastor stuff as soon as they kind of decided in that spring that I was going to do it. And even prior to that, I was involved in most of the, a lot of preaching ministry at the church. Mm -hmm. And so it feels like it's been longer than the 13 years. And so I've been at Northview for about 15. So, yeah. yeah. So, so I came in from a, uh, a six month sort of hiatus of, of not being at church, uh, because I was, I was so sort of hurt and jaded by church because for the previous two years, I had been heavily involved in a small church plant um, locally here. And I, I, at the time, thought, this, this is church. This is, the, this is the best church I've ever been to. The community's great. The people are great. They love the Bible. They preach the Bible. Like, I was like, this is my home. This is, this is finally my church home. And I was absolutely blindsided when I sat in a sort of an AGM and the leadership kind of just dropped a bomb that I was sort of unaware of within the small leadership team. And over the course of a few months, the church just kind of blew apart, blew apart, split. They tried to keep going. Anyway, that neither of the churches that, that split away from it exist today. And I just walked away from that feeling so hurt Mm. and discouraged and frustrated that like, man, everyone involved, super godly people wanting to serve the Lord, and it was no moral failure. It was simply disagreement on how to do this thing we call church, and and it just it couldn't get resolved, which is sad. The last place you would have wanted to come is the large church down the street. That's exactly right. right. I we were we were like the the rebellious crew doing this doing this church doing real thing. church. Yeah, right. It was all about authentic community, yeah, and and it was raw and real, which and like, is great. And then someone invited me to Sola. Was it Which, called Sola when you were involved? 
Yeah, it just changed when you, I when I got involved. Did you change it to Sola? Yeah, because you so, had to name things. It used to be called In Extreme, and oh, so well, so obviously you changed that. We night. decided to yeah, change it because the time was, was a, a and of course, call. like Wasn't the nineties anymore. No, in two thousand six though, it was like oh, Lord of the Rings. Everything's got to kind of be, you know, have Latin or Greek, or be called Rivendell something. Oh, so was that your inspiration, <laughs> no. or was it like no? Seriously, Matt that's actually what, like what it was. Leadership saying. Yeah, everybody just was like, oh, it just needs to be cooler, man. So right. sola, what it means only in um, in Latin, and mm-hmm. it's based upon the five solas of the Reformation. Right. Sola grace, gratia, grace, only grace, only Christ. Right. Several others. So so someone invited me to the young adults, or I heard about it or whatnot, and I, and I came, and that was the first time I heard you preach. You were preaching for the young adults, and I, I still remember sitting there, and it ended, and everyone started to leave, and I just sat there kind of pinned to my chair and I was just, I couldn't move for 10 minutes as I was just like processing and my mind was spinning because I was like, oh, uh, this to me sounds like the quote unquote Matt Chandler preacher that I wish existed locally. And the reason I'm telling this story is I feel like in a lot of ways your preaching has, has drawn a lot of people here. And so anyway, I was like, okay, cool. I can come to Northview for the young adults. Yeah. That's, that's the threshold, but right. I, there's no way I'm coming to that church. And even, you know, going from the really trendy, hip startup church and then coming into the, the beige behemoth over here on Downs Road, I was like, yeah, no, not for me. Still had that young, angsty attitude. Um, and then within weeks of, of coming to the terms that I will come to young adults, you announced that you were becoming the lead pastor. And I still was like, I was so mad. I was like, are you kidding me? God, what are you doing? And I was, I was pretty upset. And I'm sure everyone here, uh, was, was excited about that. Anyway, enough about me. Bring me back to those days. What, like, what was it like to come to a church of Northview's size and then be asked to be the lead pastor? How did you yeah. process that, and how did you get to the point? Well, where I've you never been a—I've never been a big, really big church guy. I mean, listen, I came to faith in Christ when I was in high school and stuff, and so I got—I was involved in a church that was a little bit, I guess, a little bit larger in the Seattle area. But I knew the pastor. Pastor was a friend, so I never really had that connect, connection with a large church and stuff. And then when I've done Dallas when I was doing my sem- seminary training, we'd go to these massive churches, and it was like. Ugh. You know, I, I just, it wasn't my thing. So I, yeah, I'd been involved in smaller churches and especially in New Zealand. When I say small, small, it wasn't that small. I mean, I don't know, 300 people or so in New Zealand, which is, I mean, obviously it's still small, but New Zealand, that's a pretty medium sized church. But yeah, I remember coming in and, and, uh, when they, f- they flew me here t- for the young adults thing. And I was here in the summer and I preached this sermon. I remember sitting there, you know, listening to all the music and stuff and it was done so well. And I was like, you know what? I don't, I don't care about big church. And so it kind of freed me up. I just sort of stood up and I preached my stuff that I, you know, I'd just preached back in New Zealand a while. And I think that some people were like, well, he's a bit bold and that kind of stuff. And so, but I didn't, it didn't really, I don't know. It didn't really matter that much to me. I have all sorts of problems with large, even today, you know, large churches tend to create a celebrity pastor and they get large because the pastor is, you know, gifted in a particular way. And then that gifting goes to the guy's head and he thinks that he's the best thing ever. Uh, I actually think in God's great kindness, he has, he has struck me with some mental illness where I struggle to see 
any of the positive things that people would say about me or my preaching or anything like that. So in, in that sense, I, I, I fight to accept those compliments. So I, yeah. Uh, so I've never been all that enamored with large churches or whatever. The truth is in my experience, the more, the, you know, getting involved in a large church, it's just more sinners, right? It's just more capacity and and more people, more sinners gathered in a, in a space. And so everything you've got in a smaller church, you just have it on steroids in a larger church. And I know we live in a society where, oh, no, what the larger churches are doing it better. Eh, I don't know. I think the church, I, I actually think the world is served best by larger and smaller and medium churches and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, we're kind of leading up to this part of the conversation where where we are going to talk about where we're at now. But, but so many things the way you're leaving and how it's being handled and how it's happening is is quite healthy in the in the I hope so right but but that didn't happen necessarily by accident no it's it, been many years of of intentional uh restructuring and growth within the organization talk to me about some of the things that you're most proud of that have helped northview not just because of what you've done obviously but just the church in general that has brought us to this point where I can honestly say we are just, we are healthy and we have this opportunity to mm. have a leadership transition where I can't point at a single person on this leadership team that's angry and fuming. No. How, how did we get here? Uh, I would say prayer, but I would say that one of the biggest uh, issues that, that I had when I first came is I believe that Northview could be a church that both is really capable of reaching out to its community in relevant ways uh, what I what I'd call culturally competent ways. So we're not speaking to people who live in other parts of the world necessarily. So much as we're trying to speak to the mind and the heart of the people who live in Abbotsford, British Columbia, or in the Lower Mainland, or in Fraser, the Fraser Valley, or whatever. And also can do it by being unapologetic about their preaching, uh, and and be as clear as they can about what the scriptures teach. That if the Bible is God's word and it's ultimately good for everyone because it comes from the God who is good, then uh, we should be unapologetic about preaching it, and we should also be as as committed as we can to speaking the language of the people in our community. And a lot of churches they lean one way or another, and so my vision was basically and still is right. I, churches should be able to do both of those, and I actually thought that you know if you do both of those, you can actually end up. I think building a church that is is relatively healthy, um, but you can do it and just do it and then not pass it on to the next generation, and that that's the problem for me. And so, like, I have this huge commitment to leadership development, um, just not only in principle but in in practice. You know, you can't you can't just say to people, "Oh, we're going to develop you," but never give them opportunity to have. Um, authority or influence or anything like that. So I think when I first came to Northview, I realized, man, our staff's old. And it was, I mean, I was in my thirties, mid thirties, but I was like, yeah, we, there's needs to be way more 20 somethings in this church in terms of like those who are having authority. So over the years, we, we started an internship program first, and then we started doing some stuff that, you know, we worked something into a, into a, MDiv program. And then just recently we've done a residency stuff, but all along the way, we just said, look, we can, especially if the internship program, if we can develop an internship program, uh, then we can just constantly be passing on this stuff and these ideas to new people. And over the time we did that, Adam, you were an intern. I, I was a guinea pig. Yeah. You were one of the first ones. Yeah. Um, but you know, Greg Harris was an intern. 
Uh, there are people in our church, like Jonathan Giesbrecht is an intern. So if you look around our church right now, like you, it's staffed at even the highest levels with people who were, were interns at our church. And when they first came, it was, I mean, some of the interviews that I remember having with some of the guys, it was like, holy smokes. But now it's being led by those folks. And so we just committed early on to having, to passing on the both vision and doctrine and all that stuff to the, to the next people. And over 13, 15 years, what you've ended up seeing is just, uh, you know, I guess a, a proliferation, a broad proliferation of the, that kind of thinking across both genders and generations and anybody we come in contact with. And some of those people have left and they've gone into other churches. And we, that's a win for us because we're like, cool, you go over there and you can seed that church with the same kind of DNA. And so we've always kind of viewed it as like giving folks away and, and just continuing to train folks. And um, I don't think it's a surprise. I've told people this. You know, when you're doing the training, I was only in my 30s, mid-30s. And, and so for the last 13 years as a lead pastor, 15 total, being in Abbotsford, I, I, I've been training, right? I've been learning stuff. I didn't know I'd never been a lead pastor of a church like this before. I, you know, I'd been a teaching pastor, but not in a lead role. And so I've learned things, made mistakes, and in the end have grown. So, you know, I'm going to go to Harvest Bible Chapel by God's grace, and I'm going to use basically the stuff that I learned here. So I don't think, my point is, I don't think that people who are at Northview right now think it's a shock to see their pastor go off and try to help a church, because we've been trying to do that with all sorts of people, training them and sending them out all over the place. And yes, is it a bigger deal in terms of like loss or the feeling of giving if you give away, do you know, your lead pastor? Yes, of course it is. But at the same time, it's also kind of cool. Like if you've ever had any question about Northview's commitment to, to being a sending church or being a church that's committed to seating other churches that are in need, that need renewal or revitalization, or have you ever had any question about that? Well, I would say um, evidence number one that they are is that they've been willing to not just allow their lead pastor to go, but to cheer it. And I, I can't speak more highly than that. Now, I got to ask you a question. Did you specifically orchestrate or plan the interview from last week with the church planner from Newfoundland? Because <laughs> I was listening to that just, just yesterday while I was driving, and he, he mentioned, he told the story of how he was the, the pastor in his dream church for 15 years in PEI, raised his kids, <laughs> amazing, loved it, this is, this is my church. And through God's providence and various means, he was called to Newfoundland, which was is different from your story. He didn't want to go, but it's it was another example of a church and their lead pastor who had, they'd had for 15 years responding to the call of God to go aren't where he was being churches, called to go. Though? No, I didn't plan plan the timing, but is aren't those the best churches, the ones the ones that recognize that they are not in and of themselves, the only thing going on in the world, and that they are part of a greater, um, you know, the language that was used recently, armada. J Jonathan actually had this lovely image, because when, when COVID came around, I kept telling our staff, listen, we're not going to go to harbor, we're going to sail through this. Like, there are ministry opportunities and winds that will start blowing that we want to catch those winds. And it might be harder, right? We might have to strip down some of the, some of the, some of the gear and some of the, you know, number of people on board and stuff in order to make that happen. And, and while you were saying this, as far as I'm, as far as I know, Harvest hadn't even no. contacted you. That wasn't even part no. of the, part of this. No, picture. not at all. But we, we, uh, 
So we started to say, we're going to sail through this. And then Jonathan just said the other day when he was talking to the staff about it, he said, you know, his complaint was that when all this happened, he said, oh, but how's it, Lord, how are we going to sail without our, you know, without our captain? And then he came to the conclusion, the right conclusion, which is that Jeff, but Jeff's not the captain, you know, God, Jesus is our captain and Jeff's the first mate, but he's been reassigned to another boat in our, our, our armada. And I think that is exactly the right image mm-hmm. to use, that if you understand that we are all in the same team, we're all on the same side, um, and we, we, are, we are sailing forward to try to make a difference in the world and to see God's kingdom uh, flourish, that when one boat in the, in the armada is is limping or struggling or coming out of a period when they were struggling and you have uh, a first mate that has the ability to perhaps lead that one into the kind of flourishing Lord willing that you've had. I mean, any, any boat and any armada would say, Oh yeah, you need to take, (laughs) you need to take this person, but it's that mentality that we're all together in the same, you know, side. Yeah. Uh, And I don't know if that exists a lot in churches. There's a lot of jealousy and, you know, well, our church is better because of this, or our church is this. And that's one of the things I'm the most proud of at Northview, and probably the greatest sign of some of the maturity that the church has had over the last while is that they're willing to recognize, no, that's not, that's not what we're about. We're, we're about sending. We're about giving. And I just think the Lord, you can't outgive the Lord, and I think that he will, he will always take care of churches that are sacrificial in that way. Do you know the apostle, you're talking to a preacher, so you know the apostle Paul at the end of the book of... Uh, Philippians, the book of mm-hmm. Philippians is basically a thank you letter from a missionary for a monetary gift. And so Paul is writing this thank you letter. And at the end of chapter four, he's like, I didn't need the money. I was fine because I've learned the secret of being content in every circumstance. Right. But then at the end, he talks about how much a delight, how delightful this is that this gift that they've given. And he met, uses this line that all the prosperity guys end up quoting out of context. But his line is, um, his line, his line is, um, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Now, now in context, that is a verse that is spoken from basically a church plant, a missionary who was sent out from a really good church, Bithynia in Antioch, to go out into the wider community. It's, and, and here's a church, the Philippians, who have sent him money and are supporting him in his endeavor of missions to try to bring the gospel to other lands and to renew and plant churches elsewhere. And he's saying the money that you gave me is nothing compared to what God is going to bless you with because of the attitude. And I'm telling you, if you want a promise from scripture, it is focused on churches that are willing to give sacrificially to see the kingdom grow. And I have no question in my mind that a church like Northview that acts sacrificially like, like this is, I mean, and again, I'm not the greatest things in sliced bread, but for any church to lose their lead pastor is a big deal. And so for, for them to give sacrificially is amazing. And if every church had this attitude, I am telling you the kingdom would flourish in remarkable ways in, in, in our, in our land. Yeah. I mean, when I, you know, funny story, I, uh, just a few weeks ago, about two weeks before I found out the news, I found out just slightly earlier than the rest of the staff. Um, I was joking around with oh, Andrew. Special. Yeah, you know. But I, I found out, um, or I was joking around with Andrew, our uh, our worship pastor here, 
and um, that's, he's probably going to get mad at me for calling him that. I don't even know what his title is. Um, I don't think he does Because either. we all worship the Lord, not just through music. Um, but uh, we were just joking around, and I, I, but in all seriousness I, seriousness, I said, you know, I feel like in the last couple of years, we have gotten to the place, or I've gotten to the place where I have no fear or reservations if Jeff was to say that he was going to leave. Or if you got hit by a bus. I was like, yeah. we are, we, when I look around this office. I prefer the non-bus see, option though. Yeah, right. Okay. But when I look around the office, when I see the pastors and the pastors meetings and the staff meetings in, 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 our, in our elder board, I'm like, man, we are, we are stacked and, and God is so good and been so good to this church. What, what has the last few years looked like even for your role? How has your role changed? What, yeah. what is the dynamic of the SLT senior leadership team look like? And how has, how has that changed for you in the last few years? In the last few years, it's changed quite a bit. I, I mean, I, I would be remiss without saying out loud that uh, the ministry of Steve Weens with me over, what, 10 years' time was fundamental to where we are today. I can't thank God enough for Steve and his his work with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had gotten to the point, though, where even even Steve, prior to him leaving, ended up saying, look, we you know, the church has grown so much that our structures need to adapt and especially at the at the top level of of the church, meaning top level and sort of the staff of the church, we needed to figure out ways to bring more leadership. And you know, his job had gotten so busy; <laughs> he had to oversee ministry and operations, and like honestly, he was doing so much stuff. Uh, so when he left, it gave us an opportunity, uh, even by his own admission, to change change stuff, uh, and that was basically to add some some people to, to the kind of executive pastor level of the church. And so we did, we took Steve's role and we split it into two, a ministry side and an operations side. And we staffed those two with Ezra Cote and Jonathan Giesbrecht respectively. And then we added the out, cause we have this vision for multiplication. We added it out with Mark. And so our senior leadership team uh, really grew almost doubled in size basically. And, and, that honestly broadened the leadership of the church in such a way that all of a sudden you had these, you know, for us anyway, you felt like we, I got four leaders now who all, all me and the other three, and that doesn't count our campus pastors and, Mm -hmm. and our young adults pastor and like all of these others who have like significant leadership capacity and also experience a number of different settings that if anything were to happen at our church, like it would be a challenge to pick out of them. Like you, you, you would actually have people going, well, I like this and I like this person and I like this, which I'm sure is probably what's happening at the church now. Like, Hey, so-and-so should take, take that role. So, um, it, it's been amazing how God has grown and and developed. And to be honest with you, it's the, the Lord's providence has led to that. You know, people, certain people who were just, uh, you know, available and willing to come. Um, we got a little bit more forthright with people saying, Hey, let's build this. Let's really build Mm -hmm. a really great teams. Cause Mm -hmm. if we're going to multiply and send people out, we're going to actually have to have some really high, high capacity people to send out. And so the Lord has blessed us remarkably with really high capacity people. Now, don't take this the wrong way, but when I was I will. when I was told uh, by by Jonathan, my my first reaction was, "Okay, let's do this. What's it going to be?" And it was this like almost surge of excitement because I think what everyone agrees, or, or what we've seen, so many people that have been here a while and have seen your ministry and has been at Northview, kind of sees that like, yeah, this makes sense. 
this is great. And, and so just let me finish. It was in an instant, it was God is obviously at work and is calling Jeff. And I have no doubt in my mind that God's got something exciting for us. Yeah. And I'm excited to see what that is. Yeah. And it was that surge of like, I, I can't wait to be a part of this season of Northview mm. with the team that we have and walk this out. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. I actually think the Lord's going to do a great work here. And, you know, the church I left in New Zealand was, <laughs> when, when I left it, the, I, I described it at, with the people there that I feel like we have just spent the last number of years winding this spring. And I'm just excited to see what happens when the next guy comes in and he lets it go or winds it more and then lets it go. And the guy came after me, Daryl Bay, who is a dear brother and came in to take like, honestly, that church has gone from strength to strength to strength. And they're a huge impact, quite honestly, in the region that they're in. And I can't thank God enough for seeing that. I just honestly, I feel like Northview's in a very similar spot. And I just, I pray that the Lord would do that great work here uh, beyond. Um, my hope actually is that you guys will forget very much about me in the next few years and be like, you know what? Uh, you remember back when Jeff was here? That was funny. And now, but now you're able to do some really cool things. I mean, the numbers of opportunities we have with church planting and renewal and stuff are really great here. You know, I th- wanted to have not just one church that had this kind of vision and ability to multiply, but two. Imagine what would happen if you had two churches like that. And what if you could train up some people in another place, just on the other side of the border in a city like Chicago, world-class city where there's all sorts of young adults and others who are involved in this church, uh, through vertical worship and stuff like that. There's universities and all sorts of stuff all over Chicago. What if you could actually, uh, you know, utilize all the position that church is in and, and then send more and more of those people out so that they could end up starting churches or renewing churches that, uh, have the same kind of idea and Northview's doing it and Harvest is doing it. And then those other ones that you sent out are doing it. And I just, I, I just believe two churches with the same kind of vision and partnering together have a capacity that is greater than one. Hopefully it'll be, it it will be more than, more than double. It'll be squared. Squared. Is that right? It's squared. Multiplication. I don't know. I've never been good at math. Okay, two more questions. Yep. One, one about Northview, one about us, or one about you. Northview. So after my moment of like, this is great, this is going to be an opportunity to see God work, the next day I woke up and I started thinking about it more, and then the fear started to creep in of like, oh no, what if it, all it takes with, say, senior leadership team, there's four, you're going to leave, now there's three, and you have campus pastors, and we have this amazing team. If only one, and the elders, if in that, if in that group there's even one that, that really breaks or has an ego or takes this the wrong way or it doesn't go the way they think it should go, this could turn into something really bad. You bet. And that was my fear that you I mean, started you mean to that just leaders, pray into. That if leaders act sinfully, it has a larger impact on the whole church than if so, those others. So that became right. the like I'm constantly like for the last two weeks just been looking around of like who's it gonna who's be? it gonna be? What's Ezra, gonna dude, happen? You know it's Ezra. Come right. on, you know it. But but so we just had this special congregational meeting and we heard from um, all of SLT and we heard from some of the elders and and 
Man, I, I drove away from that special congregational meeting after even the announcement about, about Mark and the candidacy and hearing Ezra kind of end the night. I, I was driving home almost in tears, just thanking God for for this church and for this leadership. And I was reflecting on that thinking there, I have never seen a group of people model for me humility and unity the way that I just witnessed. They all have the heart uh, for the church over their own well-being. I can tell you that from firsthand. They, they will gladly sacrifice their own well-being for the sake of the church. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, you, can, you can feel it and see it and smell it when you're around them, all of them. doesn't matter who it is. And so like even with Ezra, he's like, Ezra is like, oh, I could, I could probably do the lead pastor stuff, but I know, I know that Mark is better suited to do it, and I'm better suited to do this, this other role. So like, yeah. But uh, yeah, and it was like there's no one, there's no one quote-unquote fighting for the throne. No. Everyone is coming and this, and I've had some conversations with the campus pastors and just being in staff meetings, it, the, the common, the way I kind of distilled it was that everyone kind of stood up in unity and said, not my will be done, but yours. Mm. And that seems to be the attitude that the elders, the pastors, the leaders, everyone that I'm seeing. And I walk around this office just going like, this is, this is incredible. Yeah. Long may it continue. Yeah. Yeah. You had a last question. The last question is, I was reflecting on you leaving, and, you know, you are uh, a man who doesn't, I mean, we know this from the production world, you don't really care necessarily what color your shirt is, or or whether or not your hair is done, or, or filming in the studio, whether or not you're wearing pants or shorts uh, for the television audience, and... You're going to a place and a country yeah. and a large church where there's a certain level of expectation. There's yeah. pastors with curated Instagram and social media teams behind yeah, them. That and probably is not going to happen. Adam. What is? I'm I'm just so curious what that's going to be like for it's you. It's so gonna not. Gonna, I'm not going to do any of that. Are you kidding me? Listen, I've been How's kind that enough go for you. I've been kind enough to let you guys dab your little foundation. I'm sure they have stuff a whole on PR my f- team waiting for you to on get my their forehead so that it doesn't shine on the camera and I've dealt with your complaining about my pink shirt. They're going to have eyeliner ready I, for you. No, they won't. They can, I, you know what? We're going to have a fight over the eyeliner. Listen, when, when are you going to Listen, start? I'll do my best. I understand the medium of, of the camera and all that, but you know what? Actually, let me give Harvest a, a lot of credit. They, they're, they are not actually quite as much like that as you might find other American churches. There's a lot of authenticity and depth to what it is that they do and believe. There's a lot more in common with, with North Union and our, and our mentality about that than there would be, say, with some other churches in the States that are really into kind of the glitz and glamour. Mm. And I am not, I told the search committee there and the elders, I am not a celebrity dude. Like, I'm the last guy that you want in front of everything. Uh, and so I will probably push that away, but it will, you know, I, I'm assuming, I pray that the Lord does a great work, right? And that that he will get glorified through what he does <laughs> Through Harvest Bible Chapel, that's that's my prayer. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to be building on the on the foundation that others have built, and and who uh, for many in many cases did a did a really lovely job with the doctrine and the building of the church and the values that many of them have. But I want to just add my next the next floor, right? To use language of First Corinthians, I just want to add the next floor, and I don't want it to be wood, hay, and stubble. 
So that's all, that's all I'm going to try to do. And if, uh, and I will probably still wear my stupid jeans and uh, other things. I'm not trying to impress anybody. Adam, you know that. I know. I don't impress I anybody. I'm, I'm almost like, I'm just so curious. I just, yeah. I can't wait. I'm Actually, excited. I was saying I was gonna go out and buy some skinny jeans. <laughs> they're they're not cool anymore. Blundstones. Uh, I'm 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 now the old guy. I'm. Are you? Look, you look at someone like Dakota or even Amanda here, and I'm just like, man. Amanda sitting the, here. The, She's cool. She got. A I look lemon at the young on. people now, and I'm like, it looks like the way my sister, who's older than me, dressed in the '90s. Yeah. Like the the. It's crazy. It's weird. It is crazy and weird. <laughs> oh, kids these days. Yeah. Um, hey, Adam, any, thank you for working with me. It's been delightful. Yeah. Any last words? Any any anything you want to share with? Oh, the, dude, I, they're gonna. I'm gonna have several weeks to have some last words. Right. My final my start, final sermon series here is the title is called Parting Shots. Yeah. Well, the communications and department the, hasn't got its hand on that. The sermon, the sermons will be as long as I want them to be. Do All you right. understand? Sounds good. Just do a. When you be laugh if they, that meant like eight minutes, you'd be like, "What? You could do eight minute sermons all this time?" All right, Adam. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Yep. Thanks for listening to Conversations with Jeff. Make sure you subscribe to catch up on all upcoming episodes. So until next time, love God, do what you want, and don't be stupid.